Everyone appears to be crowning the USC Trojans as their champions of the Pac-12, but what are my thoughts on them, and what's Arizona State going to do against them this year? We're going to talk about that on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. As always, I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to check us out on a visual platform. But wherever you do get those podcasts, make sure you hit like and subscribe. And also turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content. If you want to stay in touch with all the content that I'm providing all the time, Follow me on Twitter at RichieBrads36. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Sun Devils. And follow the work that I put out with Sports Illustrated at all Sun Devils. Follow all three. You'll be in touch with everything going on with the Sun Devils all the time. Let's go into today's conversation now. USC Trojans. We've been going through the schedule for Arizona State. We, at this point, are in week five. This would be the Sun Devils' second game of conference play. To this point, I have the Sun Devils sitting with a 2-2 two and two record going into a road game to the Coliseum to take on the USC Trojans for what will be the last time in L.A. for a long time because after 2024, they will be moving on to the Big Ten. And from there, it becomes an out-of-conference scheduling for Arizona State to play USC. So... It could be a very long time before the Sun Devils get to take on the Trojans in the Coliseum again. So what better way to go out than with a win over one of your most hated rivals in the Pac-12? Looking at this team, you cannot judge them based off of 2021. This might as well be a completely different team, which is why it's so hard to take a look at what they did a year ago and try and predict what they're going to do this year. Looking at 2021 USC, they were 4-8. and eight. They had their coach fired. They lost two of their quarterbacks. They lost countless guys throughout the roster, both to the draft and loss of eligibility. And you just did not have this identity uh, for, for a little while before eventually USC made one of the splashiest signings in USC history and were able to pull Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma as their head coach to come down to LA and become the USC Trojans head coach. It is a move I don't think anyone saw coming. Riley was more than firmly established with the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, he might as well have had a life contract with them, had guided them to the playoff, and had really put together some awesome teams, had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners there. But he opts to come over to USC for one reason or another, and all the other pieces are starting to fall into place for him. If we look at the offensive side of the ball first, he definitely has done a really good job putting together this offense in his image. The biggest one that stands out, obviously, is Caleb Williams. Williams, who was the uh, all-freshman Big Big 12 quarterback a year ago, was an absolute just sensation for the Sooners. They started the year with Spencer Rattler, who had all the hype in the world to be the number one overall pick in this past draft, 
dude ends up falling flat on his face, transfers out of the program, could have transferred to Arizona State, but you know, that's that's a conversation for another time. But Caleb Williams had taken over midseason for him, and he was a complete revelation at the quarterback position. Not only was he a good thrower, but he was a very good runner as well. Williams in 11 games manages the toss just shy of 2,000 passing yards, 21 touchdowns against four interceptions, also rushed for 442 yards and six more touchdowns on the ground with 5.6 a carry. Caleb Williams, a very talented, athletic specimen and someone that is already getting draft hype in NFL circles despite the fact that he's only going into his sophomore season. He still has two more years in college before he can even be considered for the NFL. But he's that talented nonetheless that we're already looking at him as somebody who could be a future NFL quarterback. What does he bring to USC, though? He brings them the best quarterback play they've had probably since Sam Darnold. And even then, Darnold was a maddeningly inconsistent quarterback for them. You could probably go even a little further into Matt Barkley, I think. USC has had very good quarterbacks throughout their throughout their history, and they had a really good run there with Heisman winners like Carson Palmer and Matt Leiner. Uh, Mark Sanchez was a first-round pick. They had tons of great quarterback play, and it just felt like it really started to teeter off after Matt Barkley, and you know Barkley definitely took a step back in his final year at the program, but you had some guys like Cody Kessler, who was just good enough to get you by, and most recently, you had JT Daniels, who transferred out of the program a few years ago because he couldn't beat out the eventual uh, Pittsburgh quarterback. And now his name is escaping me. So I'm going to have to look that up while I'm typing this out. But, uh, and, and they also had uh, uh, Jackson Dart a year ago who had taken over for the quarterback that I'm looking up right now, uh, Keaton Slovis. There you go. Uh, Keaton Slovis had beat out JT Daniels. Daniels is always injured. Keaton Slovis comes in. He's solid. Slovis gets injured. Uh, Jackson Dart comes in. Jackson Dart, very, very talented. Ultimately, both of them decide to leave the program. And Caleb Williams, who worked with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, decides to follow his head coach there. He absolutely recruited the heck out of Caleb Williams, both in high school and to come to USC in the transfer portal. So it's a match made in heaven that instantly gives a lot of validity to this USC Trojans uh, offense entirely. It's a pretty good offensive line. You've got a lot of uh, seniors on the line, including Andrew Voorhees at left guard. He is predicted to be one of the best offensive linemen in the Pac-12 this year. And I mean, with a last name like Voorhees, you would expect nothing less than someone to be a big menacing monster who doesn't talk and lets his actions talk for him. The biggest calling card here for them has to be their receiving core, though. And I mean, it's basically brand new. You lose Drake London, who ends up being the eighth overall pick after winning the uh, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year a year ago for the team. London had caught 88 passes, 1,084 yards, seven touchdowns in just eight games last season. That was going to be incredibly difficult to replace. So how do they do it? They bring in the bullet in the cough winner, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh. Addison coming off a year where he caught 100 passes, 1,593 yards, 17 touchdowns. Also, for what it's worth, tallied on 56, 56 rushing yards and a touchdown through the ground as well. 
Jordan Addison, a complete game changer in college football, might be the best receiver in college football right now. And going to USC is really just such a great fit for him. He gets a definitive upgrade in quarterback, and that's not a shot at Kenny Pickett, who was just a first-round pick and a very, very good quarterback. But Caleb Williams is a marginally better athlete and has a much higher upside than Pickett. So Addison gets an upgrade at quarterback in what should be a much better and much wide opener offense. Uh, Coupled with that, he's going to have some really good guys next to him. Another transfer, Mario Williams from Oklahoma as well, followed over. Uh, He brings a very different skill set as a five foot nine, 186 pound receiver. Didn't get much action last year. Uh, Only tally 35 catches, 380 yards and four touchdowns in 11 games for Oklahoma. But he's going to come in and play a very large role, contrary to his size, for the Trojans this year. He's right now slated to be their starting slot receiver, and that shouldn't come as too much of a surprise to anyone. They also have two or three more transfers as well in the wide receiving room with Brayden Rice, uh, Terrell Bynum, and CJ Williams. Gary Bryant Jr. is also back for them. Uh, Bryant Jr. was the third leading receiver a year ago for them. Uh, with 579 yards and seven touchdowns. Tosh Washington is also back. He is buried on the depth chart. He was the second leading Caesar a year ago with 602 yards. Uh, Kyle Ford is back as well. He had 252 yards. They basically retained the entirety of their receiving core from a year ago, besides Drake London, and then added a Bolitnikoff winner and one of Caleb Williams' uh, former teammates. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, tight end, they got uh, Lake McCree. He's a redshirt freshman. Don't know really too much about what you're going to get out of him this year, but they're probably not going to utilize the tight end that much. And then they got Travis Dye in the backfield. Now, Dye was a longtime player for the uh, Oregon Ducks and is a very, very talented, very, very fast football player who can catch the football at a very high level. He's going to fit into this offense just fine. Coming off a season where he caught a career-best 46 passes for 402 yards, two touchdowns. He also scrummaged together 1,271 yards and 16 touchdowns on the ground. He's in his senior season now with USC. He's hoping to have an even bigger season than he did a year ago and end up becoming you know, one of the best running backs in college football, which is very stiff, uh, stiff competition right now. There's some very, very good guys to go up against, but... Certainly Travis Dye, very, very good. So when you look at the offense, it really doesn't get much better for the entirety of college football. As long as everything clicks and works out, USC will have no issues throwing points up on the board. Their problem will be stopping guys from putting up points on them. And we're going to talk about the defense in the next segment here in just a moment. But first, we do have a quick word from the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, a few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. Your insurance can go up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You can kill somebody. It doesn't stop anyone from getting behind the wheel 
while under the influence. And that's why police officers are out right now looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead. It only takes one mistake to change your life and someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. As always, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms. Hopping back into our conversation now, looking at the defensive side of the ball. There's not a lot here. There really is not. Like, they're coming off a season where they just could not stop a nosebleed. Now they're going to be trying to essentially roll out a very similar unit to what they had last year with also the uh, departure of uh, Drake Jackson to the NFL. That's going to be an incredibly difficult loss for them to overcome as well. Uh, the, the biggest news for them is their defensive line comes back in pretty good shape. Captain by Stanley uh, Ta, I, I was practicing this too. Ta Ufo, Ufa, Ufawu, I believe. Tufa, Ta Ufawu. I'm really sorry, Stanley. I'm so bad with names. But he was an absolute stud for them a year ago on that defensive line. Ended up uh, leading the team in sacks with five and a half. Also tallied on 48 tackles from his. Uh, defensive tackle position, huge dude at 6'4", 290 pounds. He is looking like a future NFL pro. They've also got uh, Tuli tu, uh, Tupiladu. I am a lot more confident in that one than I am others. Uh, he's also going to be a much, a much more uh, included fixture in the defense this year after playing eight games a year ago and tallying 18 tackles. He's projected as a starter right now. He's going to be lining up on the inside with uh, Stanley, and they're going to hopefully create a lot of havoc for them. Uh, Nick Nick Figueroa is there as well, but he hasn't really made a name for himself at USC just yet. Romello Height is a transfer coming in from Auburn, but Height really, really struggled to get onto the field, so the expectations for him are pretty low. Looking at their linebacker core, they have Shane Lee, who's coming in from Alabama. And Lee, as a freshman, was a stud for them. Back in 2019, uh, tallied up 86 tackles, four and a half sacks, an interception, and two forced fumbles. Proceeds to just deal with injuries and just unable to see the field over the next two years, ultimately leads him to transfer down to USC and now be the starting middle linebacker for the team. And they're hoping that he can end up being uh, one, one of their main pieces of strength on that defense because outside of uh, uh, Stanley Tuo, I'm sorry, i just butchering names right now. Outside of Stanley and uh, Thule, there there's just a, a lot of, uh, like a lack of confidence, I guess you could say, on the defense. They're hoping that Shane Lee can end up giving that to them. Uh, Raylan Goforth is also coming back as well. He was on the team last year and had himself uh, 60 tackles, which ended up placing him second on the team behind uh, Kanai uh, Malga a year ago. Uh, Kanai, who is uh, no longer with the team. Yeah, he is out of eligibility. So he will be stepping up with Shane Lee and Romello Height to be the uh, starting three linebackers for them. Uh, looking in the secondary, they have uh, Makai Blackman, who is transferring in from Colorado. 
He was a full-time starter for them a year ago in eight games, tallied 41 tackles and got himself an interception. They're going to be really hoping that he can be a difference maker on the back end because they, they were incredibly bad against the pass last year. Uh, they also have uh, Kalen Bullock coming back as well. Bullock was second on the team with two interceptions a year ago. Uh, Xavier Alford will also uh, return. He was first on the team with three interceptions last season. Max Williams is back as their nickelback, and Joshua Jackson Jr. will be rounding out that secondary. Overall, this defense is incredibly underwhelming. If you are nervous about Arizona State's defense, Look at USC's and feel a little bit more confident. We have just as many stud players as they do, and at least we have more proven guys on the defensive side of the ball than they do. So like I said, where USC is not going to have any problem throwing up points, they're going to have to because that defense is not exactly going to be getting them in situations where they're not going to be down on the scoreboard or not down on the scoreboard, but being able to have comfortable leads and change the pace of the game, they're going to have to be keeping that defense off the field as much as possible, which could play into Arizona State's favor. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Let's go into our final break. When we return, we're going to give my final thoughts and opinion on Arizona State against the USC Trojans. This, of course, is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for making the Locked on Sun Devils your first listen of the day. Make sure that your second listen ends up being the Locked On Pac-12 podcast, which is hosted, as always, by my good friend, Spencer McLaughlin. Locked On Pac-12 is all your Pac-12 news you need in 30 minutes or less. Give it your second listen of the day. Also, do me a favor and check out the Ultimate College Football Preview, a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for the Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Tune in to all of these guys, and you're not, you got no excuse at that point to not be knowing what's going on in college football. My thought, final thoughts here for Arizona State. I truly, I, I don't know if it's ignorance. I don't know if it's because I don't like USC. I don't think this is their year. Now, I'm not doubting them moving forward. Because in two years, this could very well be a playoff national title contender under Lincoln Riley. But for 2022, I think they're getting a lot of hype for a roster that has holes. This offense is going to be one of the best in college football. I would be willing to say it's going to end up being the best in the Pac-12. I think it could easily be one of the 10 or 15 best in the entire college football landscape, at least FBS-wise. This is a very, very talented offense, tons of great weapons, a great quarterback, and arguably the best offensive mind in Lincoln Riley calling the plays. It does not get much better than that, but that defense, man, like I, I know they got some pieces, but it just, it, it was, it was a disaster last year. They did not do an overly great job fixing it this off season either. I just don't see a scenario where USC's defense is able to hold teams uh, on, under 25 to maybe even 30 points. I think USC's defense is not necessarily a turnstile, but I feel like they're really going to struggle this year to really put teams away, which is going to put a, a lot more onus on the offense to consistently be putting up 35-plus points a game. 
Now, the good news is they're incredibly capable of doing that. And I would 100% anticipate that to be something that they do repetitively the whole year long. How does ASU match up? Well, it's already tough because you got to go to the Coliseum. That is not an easy place to play ever, regardless of the expectations at USC. But now you have really high expectations. You've got uh, just a whole new vibe that you haven't had since Pete Carroll. I mean, they've been going through coaches like Tissues with Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and Clay Helton and Ed Ogeron very, very briefly. They have not had a coach of Lincoln Riley's caliber in so long. And now he's there and he's already making an impact. USC is going to be a force for years to come. For me, I just don't think it's 2022. I And don't get me wrong, that's still an eight to nine win football team. And they will be a threat to the Pac-12. But I would still put them behind Oregon and Utah pretty definitively. But again, bringing it back to ASU, I think they stack up better against this team than people realize. It's just going to be up to the offense. If the offense is able to fire on all uh, cylinders this year and live up to that potential, there's a chance you could beat USC. I truly believe that. The biggest thing that you're going to need to do is just be able to run the football. That'll be tough against that defensive front. There's some big, very talented defensive linemen there that we talked about. And it's not going to be easy. But you do have a pretty solid offensive line, and you got lots of weapons in the backfield, and Emory Jones at quarterback. You should, on paper, be able to put up a fight. From there, you're just going to need some breaks on defense, which means getting turnovers, which Caleb Williams doesn't commit a lot of. And it's also going to be a lot of containing the big plays, which Arizona State was prone to last year. So uh, on paper, this this feels like it should be a lopsided matchup. Uh, in, in a very worst-case scenario, like a shootout. I wouldn't be surprised if this game ended up being like 40, 45 to 42 or something like that. Because if ASU's offense is good, they're going to look great against this defense. But if USC's offense is great, they could look elite against ASU's defense, depending on how they mesh. But as everyone knows, I also really like our defense this year. And I think that in a push, push comes to shove game where you are going to be trying to uh, reestablish yourself in the Pac-12 and prove to everyone that you're not a washed up college and like you should be garnering any kind of respect, I think that you're capable of doing that, which is why I've done this all summer and I will continue to do this now officially. I'm taking ASU in this game. I It won't be a large victory. Like I said, it, it would not be more than a handful of points. But I just don't see a way where USC is going to be able to contain anything that Arizona State wants to do, especially on the ground game. And when you control the ball on the ground, you dictate the pace of the game. You get to decide how much time Caleb Williams and the Trojans offense is going to be on the field. And quite frankly, the less time they have, the better. If you can keep them on the sidelines long enough and just ground and pound the ball out and break the will of the defense, chew up that clock, that's a great scenario for you. And then you could put USC in situations where they might be having to take more risks. And if that's the situation, ASU is an optimistic defense. They did a really good job creating turnovers last year. And they've got guys this year who create turnovers like Corey Bethley 
and Chris Edmonds in the secondary. The potential is here for a massive upset. And this is my biggest upset of the year for Arizona State. I'll tell you right now, though, don't get don't get comfortable with me taking a lot of upsets. I'm still very realistic about the Sun Devils. But I do feel this could definitely be a big-time surprise for the team. That being said, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. As always, guys, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to check us out in a visual platform. Wherever you do get those podcasts, though, make sure you hit like and subscribe. And also turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content. If you want to stay in touch with all of my content, go ahead and follow me on Twitter. You can find me at RichieBrads36. Follow the podcast way there as well, at LO underscore Sun Devils. And follow my work for Sports Illustrated at All Sun Devils. But until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun